0: Hello and welcome to the Curiosity Podcast,
1: a show to help you thrive in your e commerce and digital business. And now, your host, Matt Edmondson.
0: Welcome to the inaugural uh, podcast, season two on Facebook Live. It's a real treat to be here, real privileged. I'm joined by Chloe who uh let's get Chloe on the screen Chloe's next to me there
1: hello it's great to have you on the show
0: Chloe thanks for joining us
1: very cool to be here thank you for inviting me on
0: oh it's great thanks for being the guinea pig because um, (laughs) (laughs) you know what this Facebook live thing uh is is quite fascinating and I it's 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 fun recording a podcast and it's fun recording podcasts with guests but this is the first time we've ever done it on Facebook live so um if it all goes horribly wrong, we may never do this again. But uh, if it all goes horribly right, we, we may. well do it again.
1: I take my virtual hat off to you because uh, recording a podcast successfully, as, as I know myself, is challenging enough without adding video and yeah, without yeah, yeah. adding live and without adding Facebook. So
0: well, all yeah. power to you. Thank you very much. And uh, actually, let's plug your podcast while we're here because I can see the sign right yeah. behind you there. Right
1: there. You can't miss it. Yeah. So... Go
0: e-commerce master plan podcast
1: yes we've been going for five years now it's just just ridiculous uh and every week it's an interview with a different retailer from those who've just started right the way through to those who've been going for years and years and years you know from the biggest to the smallest basically um and we're currently putting live our january growth series where we double up and every two episodes a week and every episode is all about getting your um getting your business set for growth in 2020 wow. so, so very busy with podcasts it, at the minute
0: and people can find your podcast the same normal places itunes Stitcher, and all yeah, places.
1: it's on all the usual it should be everywhere if there's somewhere you can't get it let me know and i will make it happen <laughs> um so yeah it's, it's on all the usual places quite easy to find
0: Great. Well, definitely tune in. And having like this is season two of our podcast, so the fact that you've been going for five years, I'd take my hat off to you because that is some serious length and commitment on the old podcast there.
1: Yeah, there's um anyone who's got, you know, a long flight, there's an awful lot of me and my guests you can listen to now. <laughs> <laughs> hours and hours yeah, yeah, and the hours.
0: Long haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well actually in a few weeks' time I'm flying over to New Zealand, so I might do a bulk listen and catch up.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if if that's good for your sanity to listen for 20-odd hours straight. Maybe mix it in with something else. But yeah, the option's there if you want it. (laughs) Maybe,
0: absolutely. Well, listen, uh, if you're joining us live on the show, it's great to have you here. Um, I'm Matt Edmondson, and this is the guest, the wonderful guest, uh, Chloe. Uh, And welcome to January. Welcome to the Curiosity Podcast Season 2 uh we do have i believe comments so if you have questions comments you can throw them in as we go on live too unless you're listening to the audio podcast uh in which case uh, you can't Uh, (laughs) because you know i'm not sure when the audio for this will be published um but we are trying with our podcast to uh, stream them on facebook live when we record with the guests um, so if you like the show and you want to interact with the guests, come on Facebook Live, join us, add your comments and we'll try and do maybe a Q&A either as we go through or maybe towards the end. We'll see how we get on. Um, but Chloe, for those of the, the audience that don't know who you are, that haven't listened to your show, mm-hmm. um, what's, what's a brief bio for you?
1: Wow. Uh, so I've been in e-commerce for over 15 years. So brief is challenging, but I will do my best to keep it short. <laughs> go for it. Uh, Yeah, so I started off working client side for a UK high street retailer. So I did Omnichannel 15 years ago, um, which is those of you who are trying to get Omnichannel right right now. It was considerably more difficult back then and considerably more expensive too. Uh, Then I worked, worked for and ran an agency for 10 years focusing on the marketing side of things. And these days I help e-commerce business owners um, work out how to make their business more successful by helping them solve their marketing problems. And most of that I do by giving them the tools to solve their problems themselves. So that's via the podcast um, and also via my books. And I speak at events and various bits and pieces. So I'm kind of more about education these days than yeah. consultancy. And yeah, you,
0: I mean, geez, you sound busy, right? Uh, you've got your podcast going on i've actually got a copy of your latest book here which we're going to get into yep. in this podcast as we talk about how to get traffic that buys to your website which i think is a great title by the way uh, and we're going to come to why i think it's a great title but we will definitely <laughs> cool. um so well i mean so you've been around e-commerce for a while a whole bunch of experience with agency and with coaching and with consulting and all that sort of stuff um you mentioned the book Well, let's jump into it shall we why why did you write this book and it's let me actually the first question is how many books have you written because it's not your first time at the radio no
1: no it's not i mean you can see see kind of see them behind me so there's there's kind of product
0: placement maybe i should have flashed on the screen product
1: placement (laughs) There's a kind of five. And I say kind of five, because uh, the very first one I wrote was e-commerce master plan, which is about the strategy of e-commerce. Then I wrote the first version of e-commerce marketing, which has now been rewritten. So I kind of it's it's twice as long now. It's got almost twice the number of chapters and it's really expanded. But the first version of this came out in 2015. So it's wow. kind of book Kind of the same book, kind of not the same book. Um, then there's one called Customer Persuasion, which is about the customer journey. There's B2B e-commerce master plan, which is about B2B e-commerce, strangely enough, as it says in the title. And then there's a teeny tiny one, which is somewhere around here, uh, which is called e-commerce delivery, which is about getting your delivery strategy right. And that one's due for a rewrite at the moment. But yeah.
0: And do you rewrite them because everything's changing so quick?
1: Yes, basically. Um Well, Changing so quick, not so much, because I've written each of them from the perspective of trying to give you the background and the structures and the strategy and the understanding you need as an e-commerce business owner, marketing director, marketing manager to make the right decisions. So they're not click here, do this. They're this is why you might want AdWords. This is what you need to think about before you need to do AdWords. So actually, when, as I said, the, the precursor to this one Is five years old, and having read it very recently, you know, last year, because I was rewriting it, there weren't any inaccuracies in it. Right. There were just things I could improve upon. So.
0: And expand and explain.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, mm, am I still proud of the fact it's in that? Is it in that format, or does it? Do I feel I can give more? Is more the angle for when I rewrite them, rather than it's necessarily wrong i suppose wow. because I, I find those fundamental pieces the strategy and the what the tools are for and how you make decisions actually doesn't change a lot year on year but the noise and the options expands massively
0: okay so um it's quite a comprehensive book uh, i really you. enjoyed reading it actually um so what but why what I kind of think I know the answer, but I'm asking it anyway. What the question what what was the problem you were seeing that caused you to write um the book?
1: It's that people in e-commerce and outside e-commerce, because I've had experience in other markets some some experience in other markets as well, they struggle with what marketing they should actually be doing. And they struggle with it, not because they don't necessarily know the answer, but because they don't have the confidence to know the answer. So most of the questions I get asked by retailers are, Chloe, is what I'm doing what I should be doing? So have I made good decisions? Am I doing the marketing that that I ought to be doing my business? And this is probably the biggest one these days because we're so bombarded with noise and new ideas all the time. It's should what should i be doing that i don't know about it's kind of like that fomo effect yeah. the constant belief that you're missing out on yeah. the number one thing you should be because doing
0: everybody's being told all the time you yeah. you just go onto facebook and your feed is saying you know this is the latest killer form of marketing use this super trendy you know um platform or whatever it is i mean yeah and you're right, as an e-commerce business owner myself, every man and his dog is telling me I'm doing marketing wrong and I need to do it their special and unique way. And it gets yes. totally confusing, right?
1: I think my, my favourite example of that is um, it's quite a large... You know, really successful business, you know, multi million pound turnover. And I was working with their e commerce manager because they did a lot of wholesale and, and bits and pieces. And she came onto one of our coaching calls. This was a few, few years ago. And she'd been to an SLI Systems, which is a business which no longer exists, but they did pers- on site personalization. So better site search, better merchandising, that kind of stuff, all automated for you. This is probably about four years ago. And she, she, she'd been to one of their events. She came out and went, I think I need this software. I think this would just create such a great thing. I was like, you've got four SKUs. <laughs> you have one product and four color options. Wow. Wow. They are solving a problem you don't have. <laughs> you know? And she was a clever lady doing some brilliant marketing. You know, sometimes we come on the calls and she'd tell me about stuff. I was like, wow, really? tell me about it because I want to know about what you're doing, yeah, not yeah. stuff. And, you know, and I had to go, look, you don't need it. Yeah. Do not. I mean I, I mean I take that my hat off to them for doing such a great job at their conference for convincing her she needed this this solution. But you know, it it's it's very easy with the amount of information we get bombarded by to think there's a bright, shiny object, I need to go and do that. Sure. Whereas actually it's not necessarily the right thing. Although yeah. sometimes of course it is.
0: And so you talk about that in the book, right? And so um some of the things that you mentioned in this book, uh, you say right at the start that this book is based on an equation. Yes. Can we run through that? Because that's quite important for, to understand your thinking and, and why you've sort of gone down this road, I thought.
1: Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's traffic times – oh, see, I'm going to get it wrong now because I've usually stopped working by this point in time. So I'm going to have to refer to my own book because I don't want to get this wrong from that there. i no, no, no definitely it, don't I'll do that. Okay guys, here we go. I've got the book in front of me. I know the answer. It's traffic times average order value times conversion rate times sales. How go. could I possibly have forgotten that? <laughs> um, because it is at the heart of every single mm. e-commerce business. Um, because, it, And I think it's helpful to think of it that way, because all the decisions you make drill down to this equation. If you want to increase your sales, you have to improve your traffic, your average order value, or your conversion rate. Yeah. Those are the only three ways you can do it. It's that simple yeah. um, but of course each of those three and i'm guessing this is what you're what you're getting at has a different power as a yeah. lever you can pull and i'm never saying you should ignore all three but there's only so far you can push an average order value there's only so far you yeah. can push your conversion rate yeah um, but there's kind of limitless ways you can push the traffic plus in my experience, from the stats I've seen and from the reports I've read and from how I've worked with clients over the years, traffic can have a huge impact on both average order value and conversion rate. So those of you watching and listening will probably have experienced the fact that your Google shopping campaigns have a considerably lower average order value than your other marketing methods. Because of so- Google- Exactly. So if you put Double the budget into Google Shopping campaigns successfully, so you double the number of orders you get through Google Shopping campaigns. Your average AOV is going to sink, yeah, because you're driving a load of lower AOV traffic. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's a way in which traffic can have a positive and/or negative effect on average order value. You know, you could yeah. turn off your Google Shopping campaigns tomorrow. I do not recommend you do this, and your average order value overall will go up. Yeah, so traffic has an impact on average order value. It also has now an impact on conversion rate. You know, yeah. email marketing tends to convert really, really well. You double the number of emails, you send. Oh, look, my conversion rate's gone up, but it doesn't necessarily mean your website is converting any better. So yeah, you sending tra- different
0: traffic to the site.
1: Yeah, exactly. So your your traffic has a big impact on the other two, which is why I think it, it's and and it can be grown infinitely. Yeah. Therefore, it for me, it's the really key lever, and that's why the book isn't about the whole of e-commerce marketing. It's just about driving because, the yeah, traffic. and
0: that's what I like. you focused in on the traffic thing. It's, and actually, uh, the re- I said to you earlier that I thought it was a clever title. Um, like you, I've done a lot of e-commerce coaching over the years with various people. And by far, the most popular question you get asked is, how do I send more traffic to my website? And um, I liked your title because um, you've got here, how to get traffic that buys to your website and that's critical right because i see probably the biggest complaint people have especially with shopify sites um and there's a reason why i think it's with shopify sites which i won't bore you with right now but um the biggest complaint i've got traffic but no sales Mm -hmm. in other words one of the key problems is you're not sending the right traffic to your website or you're selling entirely the wrong product and you know there's there's Questions about both. But I like the fact that you're talking about tog to traffic, traffic that buys, which is great. So in the book, you state quite early on that um, traffic optimization is the most important skill. I'm just reading this so I get it right. The most Mm -hmm. important skill for e commerce growth, right? That's one of the comments you make. Why do you say that?
1: I say that partly because of, of what you just said, actually, about the fact it has to be traffic that buys. Because I can drive anyone listening, double the amount of traffic very, very quickly, but it ain't going to buy. And if you're, and and I would do that by spending a huge amount of money on your behalf to double it. So if you're spending money and time on that traffic, you have to make sure it's working for you. And that's the process of optimization, It's the process of looking at each of your traffic sources and going, which bits of this, because it's never email. It's never Google ads. It's always the nitty gritty under it. And how do you make that better? How do you take the bits which aren't working and either make them work or turn them off? And how do you take the bits which are working and improve them so they bring you more traffic for less cost or more traffic that buys, I should say, for less cost? And how do you then take lessons from that bit to then roll it out to all your other marketing methods? And if you're not constantly optimizing, then you're you're wasting money, you're wasting time, and you're not getting the results you should. And it's, you know, you said you've you've done quite a bit of coaching with e-commerce businesses as well. A lot of what I do for, for actually e-commerce businesses these days are audits. So I get my hands into their yeah. Google Ads accounts, into their Google Analytics accounts. And one of the saddest things is looking at, or the two saddest things are going into a Google shopping campaign, and they've just got one ad group with one product group that's yeah. got everything in it. And they're like, we've done it. Oh, you so haven't done it. And they haven't set up any negatives or anything. It's just like, oh my God, yeah. yeah. you've paid so much more money to Google than you should. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, is actually just the Google Ads account overall. They turn it on. And and I actually I talk about um a client in the book who who I've helped I've been coaching them through through some AdWords improvements over the last few months. And last year, as in 2018, yeah. they're a Christmas focused business. They put their ads live and they didn't make any changes. They just put it live. And you can see in the change log what happened. They put it live in October and they just left it live till the last order date.
0: Wow.
1: And this year we spent a huge amount of time on optimization and we've improved the ROI something like 70%. We've spent that, wow. a lot more because yeah. there was opportunity and the sales have gone up and we're in the process of analyzing that now. Yeah. But if they'd done that the year before, They'd have had.
0: What an impact. Yeah, it would have And
1: it's, it's just a case of getting used to on a Monday, log in, look at your Google Ads, make yeah, the improvements.
0: Yeah. It's interesting you say that because actually, it's funny, you know, I go and help other people and I don't, I don't profess to be a Google AdWords expert. I really don't, but I know the basics. And um, last year, throughout the year, we got so much better. It was one of the key strategic games. We got so much better at Google AdWords. Our Google AdWords spend is a quarter of what it was, but it's generating more sales. Awesome. Well done. Which is phenomenal when you think mm-hmm. of the cost of Google AdWords. Um, yes,
1: it's not an insubstantial line of your budget, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no.
0: No, it isn't. Um, I mean, at the height of it, we were spending probably about 14, 15,000 pounds a month with Google AdWords, which for some is a lot, for some is not a lot, but that's just what we were spending. We even did an experiment one month where we just shut it off completely just to see what would happen to sales. That was, that was, that was squeaky bum time, as we like. To yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. It, was, uh, it was fascinating. So I'm hearing you talk about um, this sort of skill of traffic optimization and doing mm-hmm. that. So I'm making the assumption here, and I just want to clarify um, for people that are do. listening um traffic optimization is a skill you think people can learn and develop and grow in
1: yes i do is that right very much so
0: is it or is it it's i've put here in my questions is this something we need to leave to the pros or do you think uh people can learn it themselves
1: <sighs> i think there's a I'm going to keep coming back to Google Ads. I a difficult question. It,
0: I, I, if, it's a bit of a it is a question. tricky question. Yeah.
1: I think if you want to be successful in e-commerce and you have any involvement in the marketing side of it, you have to understand optimization yep. as the skill set. Totally um, because you're at whatever level you're at, you're making decisions about what you spend money on and what you spend time on and the people you hire and the skill sets you want. And if you're not looking at the results and going, is this worth doing? Is this not worth doing? and then looking at and then if you're not sure then looking at what you're actually doing and seeing if you can improve it then what are you doing quite frankly uh, you know you're missing a huge trick so the the general skill of optimization we should all be capable of doing whether we should be the people who are doing the Google Ads optimization, the Facebook Ads optimization, the email marketing optimization, or any of the other marketing methods that, that come into this. And, and those, of those of you listening, I will keep referring to Facebook Ads, Google Ads, and that because it's sure. just so much easier. It's yeah. such, a, such a good example for what we're talking about. But this counts for everything, including influencer marketing, yeah, SEO, slowly. and the soft stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whether you should be the person in house doing the Google Ads or the Facebook Ads, is another question, because as you'll have experienced over the last year of getting good at Google ads, it's a minefield of complexity. There's an awful lot to learn, an awful yeah. lot of places where you haven't even re- the settings hidden somewhere mm-hmm. and you haven't realized. And then with Facebook ads, it's more a case of there's an opportunity you're not aware of because there's new stuff happening all the time. Because I always think Google ads is set up to take money off you without you realizing it because they hide they hide important settings in places and they default to settings you shouldn't really be choosing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Facebook ads is set up not to do that. It's set up to help you want to spend more money. But that means yeah. it's also equally complicated.
0: Mm. Yeah, neither and, of them are straightforward. No. As platforms and you, you've got to get your head around it. And I mean, you know, I just to be totally transparent, one of the key things that we did to reduce our AdWord spend was we um we got involved in the team a chap called Ross, who I'm hoping is going to come on the show one day, and he he actually was an expert mm-hmm. in the nuances and the subtleties of Google AdWords in a way that we weren't. Um, so yeah, I appreciate it. it's a mixture. I right? as the owner, I need to understand, I need to get my head around it. But it, I think, depending on the spend you as well, you have it. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to get an expert in. But again, I've come across self professed experts who well that
1: <laughs> yeah their yeah. expertise
0: is questionable let's just put it that way it's um I, I, have you come across people like that
1: oh plenty plenty and it's it's one of the reasons why i've written the book is to give people like you the owner the marketing manager who is hiring people who is hiring suppliers the knowledge enough to be able to hire the people the right people yeah. You know, if you read my chapter on Google ads and you're speaking to a Google ads consultant, you'll be able to ask them questions that if they don't know the answers, do not work with them.
0: Yeah, you um, totally right. I like that. And I love it. You, you make it accessible, which is great. Um, so well done on doing that. Yeah, um, thank you. So in the book, again, you talk about the three main uh, core marketing methods. Um, yes. Uh, from your point of view, there are these three core marketing methods. You talk about many more in the book, but you focus a lot on these three. The yes. First one being SEO, the second one being search engine advertising, and the third one being email marketing. Yes. Is that right? That is. So I, I love this little statistic you put in your book. You said that these drive about sixty to eighty percent of e-commerce traffic. In how did you how did you come about that thinking or that? that it's kind of uh, revelation.
1: There's three ways that I came about that, not all of which are mentioned in the book. So um, the first is my experience. When I'm logging into accounts that's what of successful businesses, that's what I tend to find of unsuccessful businesses they're underplaying in one of those three. Um, the second one is there's a company called Custora in the USA who used to publish the combined stats from all the, from all the e-commerce businesses they had access to. So you could see their quarterly, where the sales came from charts and inevitably in that it was about 25% email, about 25% SEO, about 25% paid search. And that's where the actual sales were coming from, from all the e-commerce businesses they had going through their system. Unfortunately, they don't provide that data anymore, which is really annoying because (laughs) I I didn't feel I could put it in the book because the stats are about, I think it's about 2016, the last one I managed to get my hands on, which is two years ago and it's not really relevant enough to put in the book. Yeah. Um and so the third one is in preparing for this book. I was like how do I duplicate the Castora stats? So I went to um Similarweb.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome free tool for anyone who wants to find out what their competitors are up to. Uh you plug in I the URL. The yeah, similarweb.com.
0: It just the information they give you is unbelievable. And thank yeah. you. Thank you for doing that Similarweb. It's very kind of
1: you. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you Similarweb. Please <laughs> yes, carry yes, on. Don't um stop. And don't stop with the free accounts, please. No. No. Please. Um, (laughs) So what what SimilarWeb do is they look at where the traffic's coming to all these different websites. So we took, um, I got my my virtual assistant to do this, and she went through, I think I gave her the top 10 UK, top 10 US, and top 10 Australian uh, e-commerce businesses, and we looked at where their traffic was coming from. And from those three channels combined, it always comes out somewhere between 60 and 80%. I mean, back in 2016, I just said all three of them need to be between 20 and 30% if you want yeah. a balanced business. These days, it, email sometimes isn't working for businesses as well as it used to because of the plethora of other things we've got. So so yeah, that's where the stats came from.
0: Interestingly enough, um, I was speaking uh yesterday to a guy who's going to come on the podcast he's the ceo of pure 360 um which nice. is an email marketing platform and i'm really really looking forward to him coming on the show Um some of the stuff that he was talking about where email marketing is concerned was just fantastic and so he's got some really really interesting insights um to share or is going to be sharing about about that um very so, cool so, I like it you've done this research you've got the sixty uh to eighty percent rule which i i i I think I would have hit the same numbers um which is good Thought
1: that's good, good. that's reassuring
0: shape. yeah <laughs> good um so s e o let's dig into that right Uh. Mm-hmm. one of there's a number of things in your book that I like, and I know I keep talking about your book and i'm I hope I'm not overplugging it, but do buy the book um it would be my best. <laughs> one of the things that you talk about in there, which I really like um And you do it quite early in each chapter when you talk about these things. You talk about SEO and you say, right, for SEO, this is what you need to measure. This is how you know if your SEO is working for you, uh, which is super, super cool. So how do you you measure your SED, the the value of your SEO?
1: For me... It's less about ranking and much more about traffic and money, which, mm. given the book's called Traffic That Buys, you could kind of guess that everybody. And
0: we're in the e-commerce business. Let's, let's, well, we're not in exactly. the traffic business. It's, uh, but there's subtle differences. But sorry, I
1: interrupted. Yeah. No, no, that's OK. Um, I mean, when you're working with an agency and you are spending a huge amount of time and money on SEO, then tracking those rankings is worth doing. To see the minutia, Mm -hmm. to see the the improvement. But fundamentally, if those ranking improvements aren't bringing you the traffic that buys, then what was the point in doing the activity? So for me, it's really all about looking at the, the Google Analytics data and seeing how that changes and improves over time, which unfortunately you can't really drill down to keyword level. Although you can get a certain amount of keyword data, the privacy reasons mean we can't get that much of it. But it's really about how much traffic are we getting from SEO and how can we improve that and how much um, money is that actually talking, turning into? Because it should be one of your, um, certainly your highest return on investment channel. And it should be one of your best converting channels, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The organic traffic thing is, is critical, isn't it? And it's free. Mm. And I, I, I notice it in my own businesses. I notice it with clients' businesses. When your rankings go down, your 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 sales go down quite quickly um, and it's not always that quick is it to re- get the SEO to go back up. So what no. are some of the strategies that you found that works with that?
1: Well, that? there's three key parts to SEO. Um, one is to be relevant. Another is to be in the index and then the third is to be important. So. Being in the index means Google's allowed into your site and they know you exist, basically. It's usually a couple of tick boxes and you're done and you can move on and worry about the other two. But there are some, sometimes a platform or a system just causes you massive index issues. And that's where you really need to speak to an indexing specialist. Um, Once you've got that sorted out, then for an e-commerce business, being um, relevant, Hmm. so getting the right keywords in the right places on your website is pretty easy because most of your pages are product pages. So you can set up some automation uh, that will put the right words in the title tags, product name to title tags, product name as H1 tags. Continues to frustrate me how many e-commerce platforms do not automatically have that set up for It's you.
0: bizarre, isn't it? It is really bizarre. This, <laughs> yeah. There are, And this is an important point. When you're researching your e-commerce platforms, there are things which I don't think you would you would know to look at unless you were an expert, right? In it, and one of them, the simple thing: the, do they put my product name in H1 tags? Yes or no, because that yeah. has a big impact on SEO, and you should definitely check that out when you're looking at different platforms. Yeah,
1: and it, it's incredibly easy to check out as well. You just look at one of their clients' websites, hit Control U when you're on a product page, and search for H1. And <laughs> what is yeah. it? Yeah, um, I think. The worst one I ever found was where the buy now button was the H1 tag, which was ridiculously <laughs> awful. Just awful.
0: Yeah. yeah, um, It's bizarre, isn't it? It is yeah. bizarre. It's getting these things right. But you're right. Just um, So you would go to a product page that is in that e-commerce platform. Yeah. So let's going to pick on Shopify because everyone knows Shopify. So mm-hmm. you find a Shopify website, you go to the product pages um, yeah. and you look at the source code. Mm -hmm. um by hitting control u or right clicking and going down to view source depending on what browser you're in and then to search for the product title and if it's surrounded by h1 tags what we mean by h1 tags um is it's going to have the less than the more than sign and in the middle of that it's going to say h1 and uh and that's going to work well for you isn't it i think um, yeah searching for that is is super super important top tip there yes Top, top tip. Okay, so uh, get some of the basic rights. What are some of the other tips? Um, so you talked about relevancy and importance.
1: Yes. So relevancy, quite straightforward setup. And the good thing is if you've never done any SEO, when you actually bother to get your right keywords in your right place on your product pages, because all the rest of your marketing will have made you fairly important, you may get some very quick overnight results from just just telling Mm. Google properly what your site's actually about. Um, But be important is the bit, the ongoing drudgery (laughs) of SEO, (laughs) the ongoing building links essentially to your site. Um, I shudder to use the phrase link building, but unfortunately it's the best one available. But be very careful if you're going to do link building, because these days you can get bad links and bad links penalize your website. When you've heard people get you know, destroyed by a Google algorithm change. It's because they had bad a bad link profile. So the mix of links coming to their website were from bad places or they appeared at bad times and all that kind of stuff. It's very complicated. But the kind of like the basic guide to it is if you see a site, you think it would be really obvious for your business to have a link from, then it's worth pursuing a link from that website, which is where SEO now hugely overlaps with uh, PR. And Partnerships and influencer marketing and lot and content marketing and lots of other areas, so if you're busy with influencers and PR and content, then you can probably let your SEO take care of itself to a yeah. to a certain extent because you're actually building up all the important stuff with the other marketing that you're doing
0: and what sort of um, time frame have you discovered works well for um, SEO? You mentioned some things can happen overnight, but that's not typical, right? I mean,
1: no. I mean, the overnight stuff pretty much only happens if you know if every single title tag on your website is literally "this is a this is a website," and then you change it to be "Chloe's Perfume Shop" or something, yeah. and then then you actually put the right things in place, then you can get a bit of an, of an almost a overnight pack. Yeah. But generally, you're talking about several months, which is is one of the reasons why people often ignore it is because they're busy with the ads, they're busy with the emails and the things which bring in that immediate result, whereas the SEO does take several months to really see the impact. It's a, it's a long-term game, and yeah. over those months, you have to keep investing because one of the things Google is looking at is, is this website consistently getting mentioned in places? They track when a link first appears to your website. So getting 20 links tomorrow is a terrible idea. Getting one link a day for the next 20 days is not a bad idea as long as then you don't not get any more links for the net for the rest of the year so you have consistency
0: isn't it you know it is uh you know the same thing with social media the the same you know should i write a blog it's can you do this consistently yes or no if you can't don't do it um yes is always the top thing and it's the same with that link building all that sort of stuff isn't it really yeah so We know what we're measuring. We're looking at Google Analytics. We've got to be relevant, important, and indexable. In the index. In the index. And um, when it comes to uh, SEO, um, I mean, I always used to be sort of scared by it. Is there any software that you use other than Google Analytics? Or is there anything people should look
1: at maybe or not really? Um Yeah, there's a couple of really good ones. Uh, Google Search Console Mm -hmm. is a must because that's your way as a website owner of talking to Google about what's happening on your website. And it gives you some more stats and you can integrate it with your Google Analytics to get more stats. So it's a bit of a no-brainer. It's also where you submit your sitemap, which is another way to be in the index. Um, So, yeah, yeah, Google Search Console, absolute no-brainer. You have to do that one. And actually, if you just
0: Google Google Search Console, it will come up.
1: Yes, it's very simple. It's free. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's essential. Yeah. Uh, then, I mean, I love the stuff that Moz do. That's MOZ.com. Yeah. Um, they are geniuses in the space of SEO. They have some really nice free tools that you can use to check things like domain authority, which is an estimation of how important Google thinks another website is, which is useful for when you're trying to work out where you want to get links from. Um, and then the guys over at SEMrush have another suite of really useful tools that will check rankings and various things. So there's, there's an, the good thing about SEO is there's an awful lot of useful tools out there that will do the time consuming stuff for you. Or uh, well, I should say all the time consuming stuff about, apart from actually getting the links.
0: Yes. But they, there's have, a lot of data you can get for free and you're right with Google Moz and um, SM, SEM. they they, they give you so much. For free. I mean, obviously, they're trying to entice you in with some paid software. Um, but actually, what they give you for free is extraordinary. And their blogs, I find um, the content on their blogs is super, super helpful.
1: Mm. I mean, like the Moz uh, Whiteboard or Blackboard, Whiteboard Friday, mm. um, is just they do like a little video that covers one SEO topic every Friday. And it's just brilliant. Yeah. You know, the, the SEO community is very very interested in sharing ideas, because Google won't tell them anything. So they, there's a real community of sharing and updating and telling you, I've just done this really cool thing. Here it is. So there's, there's huge amounts of free information online about the nitty gritty of SEO.
0: Yeah, no, there is. That's great. Listen, if you're tuning in to this Facebook live broadcast, uh, we are getting a few people liking and loving what we're doing, which is great. But if you've got any questions, do type them in the comments. Uh, and we will come to them hopefully at some point um so chloe let's we talked about seo mm. which is great yep um let's talk about search engine advertising okay so yes. same questions what am i measuring what are your top tips
1: okay go. you on yeah go okay right, three right.
0: two one go now
1: um you are measuring money spent and money earned. (laughs) And that really is the only important thing. I love
0: Um, how none of this is rocket science. I genuinely (laughs) do, because people overcomplicate things, and the simplicity of this is great. It is
1: fantastic. I like I like practicality with yeah. my with my lessons. Um yeah, basically that's the two numbers you are constantly looking at and you need to work out before you start doing anything on them. You need to work out what your profit target is, which usually comes down to a ROAS, ROAS, uh, which is your return on advertising spend or your CPA, which is your cost per acquisition. And depending on how much your average order value fluctuates, depends on which one of those you need to be worrying about sure. because CPA doesn't take into account AOV fluctuations, whereas ROAS does. That's yeah. essentially the practical discount to them. If you need to know how to calculate them, Google it. I'm not getting into any more equations uh, today. <laughs> and I think
0: I think every industry, every yeah. industry in the e-commerce industry is by far no exception. Mm-hmm. Likes to abbreviate everything. We like ROAS, CPA. Um, yeah. You know, it's just CPA. CPC. I mean, we yeah. could just go on. Yeah. And if people are just tuning in right now, they might think we're talking about Star Wars characters. We're not. We're actually <laughs> talking about e-commerce, right? So, no, it's great. Okay, so they're the things that we're measuring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of your top tips for doing better and better at search engine advertising?
1: Um, go granular, I suppose, would be the basic one. So, what do you mean um, by that? Go granular. Well, you, if you want to get the best out of Google Ads... Whether you're doing Google shopping campaigns or you're doing keyword advertising, the more focused you can make your activity, the better it generally performs. Mm-hmm. So if you have an ad group that has if you're selling, um, I don't know, we'll go with mugs. Mugs are always a good example. If you're selling mugs, then there we go. We got we got a Ferrari mug and a grey mug. Yeah. Right. So This was my
0: fortieth birthday present <laughs> from a friend. I hastened to it. Oh.
1: Very cool. Um, So if you have one ad group that has the keyword Ferrari mug and the keyword grey Pantone mug in it with an advert that talks generically about mugs because you can't talk about the Ferrari or the the grey Pantone in that ad that then goes to your homepage, this will perform badly. Yeah. It will perform badly because you're not really helping google help you because you've created quite a disjointed set of things um but it also will confuse the customer because if a customer who wants to who wants a ferrari mug who's clicked on an ad for a ferrari mug who's then goes through to a landing page that's not about a ferrari mug where they've got and then got to search for the ferrari mug they ain't going to convert um someone who's searching for gray pantone mug who sees an ad that just talks generically about mugs, they're unlikely to click on that. And click-through rate is one of the ways in which Google um, analyzes how strong your ads are. Mm -hmm. Because on the Google Ads platform, for each space on every search someone does, Google is running an internal auction to work out who deserves to be placed in those search results. And one of the most important factors in that is your quality score, which is something which Google calculates and they tell you about. You can add it as a column in Google Ads and it will tell you how good your quality score is. And if you've got a really high quality score, you will pay less for position one Mm -hmm. than someone who hasn't got a high quality score. And you're more likely to appear in position one and on page one. And a large influencer of quality score is how likely someone is to click on the ad when it's positioned next to that keyword. So by being granular, what I mean is you should have two separate ad groups. Mm -hmm. One for Ferrari mug that has the keyword Ferrari mug in it um, and has an advert that talks about the Ferrari mug and goes to the landing page for the Ferrari mug. And then a separate ad group for Grey Pantone mug that has an ad for the Grey Pantone mug and then goes to the Grey Pantone mug page. And that's how you should be structuring your ad group. So if you're starting off, or you're you know you've just had it live and you haven't really done anything with it, then start off by looking at your best-selling products and build the ad groups around them or your best-selling categories and start small and then expand it out. Expand and if you out. and if you find that with um you know, with great with Ferrari mug, that keyword, when you're looking at the search terms people are actually using, you find you've got people who are that for some reason or other Google showing it to people who are searching for Porsche mug. And you sell a Porsche mug, and you're getting a lot of clicks on that for some unknown reason, despite the fact it's a Ferrari ad, then it's time to create an ad about Porsche. So it's starting small and then looking at the data yeah. to work out how you build. Yeah. You know, it, it's so tempting to create 20 keywords for every single product and spend three weeks building this massive Google ads account, whereas actually what you'll be doing is you're wasting time and you're not learning from the data. So it starts small, learn from the data. And then keep it granular as you yeah. build it up.
0: And that's brilliant. And I, I love that. And, but at the bottom line is, you've got to be in it every day to understand and watch and monitor the data, right? That's, that's yes. the critical cool thing. You've, you've really got to be keen to, to look at it. Um, and we found actually with Facebook advertising, mm. you can take it one stage further. So if I'm selling Ferrari mugs, I may have an advert which goes to Ferrari uh enthusiasts I may have an advert which goes to f one enthusiasts I may have an advert which goes to f one enthusiasts in the u k and mm-hmm. you can really break it down and see which ad sets convert the best for you yeah by getting that granular thing but only do it with products that actually sell and the other critical yes. thing which you said which i I just want to <laughs> emphasize um because I think it's so important is when you do an advert for uh your Ferrari mocha there's going to be a plethora of people now selling Ferrari mugs online. I think if you, if you do, I think Chloe and I want commission. Hashtag the same. Um, but if you're, if you're running a face, a, a Facebook ad, a Google ad, whatever to um, Ferrari Sorry. mugs, take them to the Ferrari mug page on your website. Mm-hmm. And you'll find um, that your, your Google ad words will be much better as you have said Um, and i think you also find they're cheaper right because if i just do a google adwords mugs or sports car mugs um they they always cost more than if i do a campaign around yellow ferrari mugs which is much more niche and targeted which is actually what i'm selling Um, but the keyword cost will be much lower
1: Yes, it's something which um, we did an awful lot of Google ads when I was back in my agency days, and I'd often have members of the team coming up to me and going, "The client wants us to bid on this." Like, like we were we did some work for a company who sold um, silk flowers, and they wanted to bid on flower arrangements, <laughs> and we were like, "It's really terrible idea because it's an expensive keyword." And most people looking for that are not looking for what you're selling. Yeah. So it's going to be expensive and it's not going to convert very well. And we must have spent six months, various meetings where the owner would bring this up. and go, look, you really, the nicest possible way, not that we put it this way, but it's a really stupid idea. But, you know, you put it in all kinds of lovely terms and it got to the point where it's just like, right. You know, the guy, the, the the camp manager came up to me and went, they still want to do it. I said, right, fine. Email them back. Tell them we will turn it on on Monday. And We will report on Monday afternoon how much it's sold, and that we take no responsibility for the return on investment <laughs> achieved. And they, they, the client came back and went, "Yeah, that's fine, great, do it." So we reported back on Friday and it spent a grand, and we'd had one sale for fifty quid. Wow. And we sent this back to wow. them. They were like, I, "I make the numbers up, but it was something of this magnitude." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And they came back have been and they went, "Actually, if they were the real numbers." Yeah, they were. It was something along those lines, and they went, "Okay, you can turn it off." And, and the, but then we had like our next quarterly catch up, and they went. Why aren't we bidding on flowers? (laughs) Really? We have to just waste another like two grand this time for you. So so yeah, it's um yeah, it's it you can you can lose a lot of money going after those vanity terms. So we, we used to refer to them as vanity terms. Which sometimes, if that's what your brand is trying to do and you're trying to break into that space and you're thinking really top of funnel, then it can be worth bidding on those terms. But It's got to be at least, you know, look at the, I often tell people when they think it's a, when they're looking at these type of terms, go and search that term on Google and see what Google brings up. And quite often you'll get quite a confused page where you've got maybe some pictures of flower arrangements and you've got some ads for interflora. And then you've got some videos on how to do flower arranging. And then you've got some flower arranging products like scissors or something and some bowls and then maybe some random YouTube channel. And it's like Google doesn't know what someone searching for that term wants. So the chances that they want your product and they're going to convert and buy are really, really low. Yeah. So, so often looking at the search page can be a really good way to decide if it's a keyword. If you're not sure about a keyword, yeah, if it's a keyword, you it. should be going after. Yeah.
0: And do your calculations carefully, right, in terms of return on investment. If you're only mm-hmm. making a 10% profit margin, the, those big keywords are not going to work out well. for you. You're going to spend a lot of money on customer acquisition that's not going to convert long.
1: Yeah. And, and, and if you've got you know, product margins that are that low, you probably want to start off with Google Shopping campaigns Mm. where, because then Google does all the hard work of setting up all the ads for you (laughs) because you just plug in your product feed and away you go. And you can learn from Google Shopping campaigns what products sell on Google. And yeah. then you can go and create the keyword campaigns around them, which saves you an awful lot of time. Um, but of course, you also need to optimize your Google key, Google shopping campaigns just as intensively as you optimize your keyword campaigns. Because, you know, you put, if you anything you put live on Google, you don't really know whether it's going to work or not until you've done a good couple of weeks of solid optimization. Yeah. And it's not really going to come into its own until maybe a month or two later. And you have to spend money that whole time, which is kind of one of the big differences between it and Facebook. Facebook you can get a steer after 20 quid's worth of spend. But Google, you have to put in more yeah, like on the more, optimization yeah. side.
0: Yeah, no, fair comment. Fair
1: comment.
0: Um let's I, I'm just gonna Cut that off right there, because I mm-hmm. think uh, we could talk about this for a long time. And I'm, <laughs> Clearly. I'm aware we've both got, you know, lives, really. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so let's talk, Chloe, about uh, email marketing, um, yeah. which is the third key pillar, isn't it, in, in oh, your book that you talk about? It is. Um, so same thing. What are some of your top tips for email marketing? Uh, that you could share with us
1: um i guess the two obvious ones the two i i'm telling people most often at the moment are that the days of batch and blast are over where you just send one message to everyone every week amen yes it may work for you um and there's still a place for it But you need to be cleverer. And if you're not putting in place welcome campaigns, abandoned basket systems, post-purchase, whatever it is your customer is expecting to hear from you on that customer journey, you are missing out on thousands of pounds. Um, The other one would be, I also come across businesses, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, where email isn't really working for them anymore. Mm. And that is usually because they've not found the right strategy so maybe they've been around for 10 years and they're still emailing their entire database and they're paying a cost per thousand and it's like well let's segment it and see how you know here's the 2019 data the 2018 data and backwards you go and like oh look below 2015 you've got 60,000 on your list and only one of them purchased in the last 6 months let's stop mailing them but we've got the data maybe we know really please let's stop mailing them or it's that they're only doing batch and blast and they're not uh, they're not doing a welcome campaign, so they're not really warming people up or they've stopped stopped um trying to get hold of email addresses in the first place, which just blows my mind yeah, just... so you you can't we used to get we were very, very lazy with email back in the day. we just created an email each week, pinged it out, and we made tens of thousands of pounds yeah it was a lot um, easier
0: back in those days
1: it was a lot easier and But if you're clever with your data and you're looking after your customers and you're sending them good quality information, good quality products and good quality messages and using it as a way to build a relationship with the customer. So you build that trust, you know, so you've got reviews and trust scores in every email and you're responding to what they're interested in. Then you will find email works. It's a lot more work than it used to be. Um, But the good thing is once you build those automations, then they deliver for you week in, week out, and they bring you those sales. So it's you really do have to have a strategy these days and think about what you're going to build and what messaging you want to get out there and to who you want to send it yeah, to.
0: Yeah, and when you want to send it, um, mm. super critical. So, yes. have you got a favourite piece of software or what service do you use for emails?
1: Me personally, I use Omnisend for my emails, mm. which is one of the the email marketing. Uh, the email um the e-commerce that's the word i was looking for <laughs> so uh, we do. yeah just what we do it's just written all around me there's the word e-commerce i can't even remember it um do you hyphenate or not
0: that's a key question
1: i don't hyphenate
0: i just can't be bothered anymore to hyphenate
1: life's too short for hyphenation <laughs> um so in in the word email or in the word e-commerce exactly exactly yeah. so Omnisend is one of the email marketing platforms. Um, I have quite a close relationship with them, so um, I use use their platform. Okay. Um, I'm are hearing they, uh, English
0: company, American.
1: They are Lithuanian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. How company. did you come across them? Oh, now you're asking me to stretch my mind. I think they got in contact about um, partnering on some content or the podcast. So they're they're sponsors of my current January uh, growth series. Great. At the moment um I also do quite a lot with um Clavio yeah or Clavio at the
0: moment isn't it is it Clavio or Clavio it, it's
1: Clavio oh is it I know this because um did you get told off one day yes basically <laughs> uh I'm I'm gonna be doing quite a bit with them this coming year great uh and no I like
0: them <laughs> they're a good company actually I, I really like what they do clever
1: they are they are um expect to hear a lot about them in the uk this year they're getting quite aggressive in their uk positioning this year so um so yeah klaviyo i very popular i know a lot of people are doing great things with that um and then pure 360 i like dot mm-hmm. digital i like um i think it's a bit like website platforms you have to find the right email software solution for you yeah and by that, I mean you need to look at what you need, what you need to integrate with, what you're planning on doing, what their pricing structures are, and find the one that will give you the support and the options that you need. And these days, that, oh, that's not just integrating with your website, that's integrating with your merchandising system, yeah. um, that's integrating with maybe you're doing push notifications, you want to test SMS, you're doing WhatsApp, Facebook, Messenger marketing. You need to, If you can manage them all from one hub, man, life is easier. just um, changes everything. It does. If you can integrate
0: with them, and there's a lot of them about now, and you know, like you say, Clavio, Clavio, um, Pure three hundred and sixty, they're all good. Active Campaign, Mailchimp, we've used um, mm-hmm. HubSpot, we've used although HubSpot's quite expensive for e-commerce companies. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them, and like you say, if you know what it is you want out of your email marketing, it's much easier to choose your platform accordingly.
1: It is. You've um, you've got a. It's a, it's as important a, deci- a decision as what. Um, as what software platform your website sits on Um, because these days it even affects your advertising because you want to link the audiences you've set up in your um, email or customer management system with your ads. So you're putting Facebook ads in front of people that keep buying, say key parts of the buying journey and all the rest of it. So if you don't have that happening, you are losing money, basically.
0: No, you are totally. And one of the things that I've found, actually, I don't know if you can comment on this, um, People always ask you, well, what kind of email should I do for my industry uh, mm-hmm. or the market that I'm in? I always say to them, listen, go sign up to like 10 people in that industry, sign up to their websites, see the newsletters that they're sending out. What are they doing? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, mm. and, and see what happens. Have you, have you got anything to throw into that?
1: I, I think anyone who hasn't got an email inbox, you know, a Gmail inbox that they are watching their competitors and brands they they think do a great job with email or any other marketing method. You know, if if your competitors send out catalogs and you're not on their mailing list and you haven't bought from them, so you make sure you get all the postal stuff they send out, then you're missing a trick because you you need to know what they're up to and you're also going to take great insight from them yeah. i mean i started my career in the mail order industry and we would keep on the buyers and the merchandisers in particular would you know really focus on what our competitors were putting out in their catalogs because we knew Everyone knows in the catalogue industry that your best selling pages are two, three mm-hmm. and your next best selling pages are the back page mm-hmm. and then the one that is the page inside that and then it's the middle spreads. So you can work out what someone's best selling products are by doing that. And you should be able to do the same thing with email to see what's working for them, what trends are working, what messages are working, and then you can, you know, take ideas from that yeah. but also don't just copy the competition. Make sure you're doing some some good content too. So yes, an email watching account, competitive competitor watching account, is, is so important.
0: No, it is totally. And I, 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 I must get 100, 150 emails a day. I don't read 100 to 150 emails a day. But these are deliberate companies that I've signed up for because I want to see their trends. Mm. I want to see what they're doing over time. I want to see their frequency. I want to know what they're doing in their subject lines. I mean, it's like a whole masterclass of email marketing that you don't yeah. pay for right it's especially with some of the bigger brands that have invested millions into trying to understand this um it's it's it, it's it's very good free learning uh, mm. so definitely definitely do that
1: and please everyone listening if you're going to do it set it up on a separate gmail account don't do it on your own account one because it's just you're going to get bombarded but also because then you can give that login to everyone else in your team so all of you can go in and look at what people yeah, are doing there's no there's no point in each of you creating your own list of competitor emails share the knowledge yeah. um, and it will make all of you better marketers That's
0: a great tip great great tip and you can do that with gmail quite easily can't you Just set up yeah
1: gmail very easily
0: yeah yeah no straightforward okay well listen um I'm aware of time. Can I ask you about one more thing in your book? And yeah, then we'll, go we'll, for it Um it's, it's nothing to do with the three things that we've talked about already, although you have mentioned it briefly. Uh, and that is this I'm whole, intrigued. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, I think everyone's talking about it. And it's a question I get asked a lot at the moment. And that is about influencer marketing. How do I... It's a trendy phrase, isn't it? Which basically means the guy over there who's got a bit of a social media following is talking about my product on his social media platform. Yep. God bless him. And that's sending people to my website. And there's a lot of stories coming out at the moment, people who have been super successful with influencer marketing, building their business. Um, and I, I I, I, don't want to talk about everything in your book, in this podcast, because I don't want people to buy it and read it. Um, but I was curious... Uh, about influence marketing, your experience with it, any tips you've got in that whole area, things to look out for.
1: I think, and I'm, I'm aware it's a term which um, is a bit like Marmite. I, I have one good friend who runs a very successful e-commerce business. He says influencer marketing doesn't exist. I think that's taking it a bit far. Um, I think it's very easy to get kind of blinded by that. Oh, I must do influencer marketing. Um, it's all, ooh, lovey, lovey. But it's, it's, it's hard and fast numbers. And what you need to do is you need to is to find maybe 10, maybe 20 people who you want to test a message with because you want to look at the results from those 10 or 20 people and see which one did best and then work more with that and then find more people like that person um a lot of so there are those various search tools you can use to find influencers and to recruit influencers and to manage them um one of the the best tactics i've heard a number of retailers talking about is going out to your best customers and saying to them we're willing to do X if you'd like to promote our products on Instagram, and so kind of creating a real relationship with some existing customers who love your product that's and rewarding correct. them yeah, yeah. for recruiting it. So it's a really cool kind of micro, what they call micro-influencer strategy, yeah. which and can it's be really. Focusing really on your
0: customers. Which yeah, I, I always love you know you re- reward your customers first.
1: Yeah, and it, it's kind of it's like oh what a what an obvious thing to do. Let's let's not. You know, because you, you want someone who gets it. You don't want to go out to some influencer and be like, please, oh, I'm really worried you're going to do something bad with my product. Because what you do need to do with influencers is allow them to create their own content, which actually makes it a really cool marketing method. Because you can just go, here's some product, create great photos. You're not having to do a photo shoot. You're going, here you go. Um, so, and you know, if you've got physical stores, you can invite them around to do an evening where they take loads of photos and lots of up bits and pieces there's really clever and creative ways you can do it so So um, you'd
0: say start with the micro influencers start on your customers what could you do with them um have you got any examples that spring to mind
1: oh man i'm
0: just gonna put you right
1: yeah uh yeah and and we're only what three days into my working year and i've had three weeks (laughs) off so i'm really struggling uh i've had several people come on the podcast and talk about it but as, as to who my brain is drawing a total utter blank which is truly embarrassing
0: that's we'll put it in the comments when you think about it
1: yes i will i will find it for you i'll let you know tomorrow but but i guess that the key thing is start with small you don't have to hire beyonce Mm -hmm. um (laughs) test multiple yeah it is it is the number of people i think who think they have to hire a kardashian is like you really please don't because you'll get
0: way too much money
1: yeah. And you'll get way more engagement from someone who truly loves your product and yeah, your own, maybe right. only has a thousand followers. Um, test with multiple. Don't just test with one. Test mm. with multiple at the same time. Make sure you, you can find a way to track it, which is challenging on Instagram because the lack of links, but there's ways to do it. Um, track the results and optimize and allow the influencers to create their own content. Critical, so it's- yeah their brand and they can use it be nice to the influencer because you, you're building a partnership yeah. it's not like you're putting an ad in a magazine you really want this to be a two-way piece so yeah. listen and find out what you can do to help them yeah. you know if you want to promote your shorts but they're currently all about dresses give them a dress yeah um and they, yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah no i can think of an example actually has come to my mind we talked to a guy called sam um at pariah which is a, a a clothing company they make um cycling gear you know road for road bikes and that's basically if you listen to the podcast it's in season one that's how he grew his entire business through instagram letting his customers take photos putting them on there sending them free stuff they then took their photos put it on there and it grew and it grew, grew and grew as a result of that so um there's an example prior.cc i think is his website uh and you can check that out on instagram and you'll see the kind of stuff he's doing he's doing a cracking job with that so um so no that's great um chloe uh how do people get hold of the how do we start that sentence again It's, it's just getting on now isn't it uh how do people get hold of you how do people reach out to you how do people connect with you
1: Okay. Uh, best places to connect with me are LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, you can find all the links to me on those at ecommercemasterplan.com. Just go to the contact us page, uh, where you, that's also the website where you can find everything else about what I'm up to, including the books and the podcast. And she says, completely losing the book, she wants to wave in front of all your faces. If you want to grab a copy of this, then head to Amazon where it's available as paperback and kindle all over the world it's also currently in the process of being published as an audiobook yeah Um, we were talking about
0: this earlier weren't we the fact that you spent hours recording this as an audiobook Mm uh which i i have to be honest i'm intrigued to listen to how you describe the tables in the book um yes and how you solve that problem but um no it's great that it's on audiobook as well and i can definitely definitely recommend the book um if you Thank want you to let much. me go that way um if you want to know how to get traffic that buys to your website by Chloe Thomas head on over to amazon uh for some of you that may pain you to buy from amazon but just you know swallow your pride a little bit buy the book it is good good reading reach out with chloe uh, It was ecommercemasterplan.com was your website yeah
1: ecommercemasterplan.com
0: reach out with to chloe i'm sure she'd love to connect with you and answer yeah. any specific questions that you have got i am gonna call it time there for the actual audio version of this podcast so chloe thank you so so much uh and um i really really do appreciate your time your wisdom and giving us the benefit of, of all that good stuff it has been fantastic talking to you thank you so so much
1: thanks matt it's been really cool being on your show and uh, and getting a chance to tell everyone about some of the lessons in the book and hopefully we've helped some people today because i think we've shared. Between the two of us, we shared a huge quantity of great advice. So we, really have you, have, we
0: should charge for this.
1: Yeah, I think we we should have saved people <laughs> thousands of pounds and increased their sales by tens of thousands of pounds. Which so um, so thank you. No, it's always it's, great to have an
0: opportunity to yeah, do that. No, it's great to help people, isn't it? And if you have benefited from Chloe's tip top advice uh, today, then we would love to hear your stories uh, and your testimonials about how that has benefited and helped you. We always like to hear from you guys. Uh, about how actually these things have helped. Because often we don't. We just we just mm-hmm. believe that it has helped somewhere down the line. And it means the world to us when people do bother to connect with us and say, listen, it was fantastic. I really do appreciate it. So uh, do get in touch. Chloe, thank you so, so much.
1: My, thank, my thanks to you, Matt, too. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Curiosity Podcast. You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next
1: time.